if I showed up to a youth hockey tryout and and saw that arena, I'd start to look into open enrollment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're in Minnesota. It's a different perspective on life. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. All right, thanks for the introduction from the great Mitch Lake. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Today we're joined again by Drew Evans from BGSUHockey.com. Before we get going, we have another round of patrons to thank. We picked up three more this week. Dave Corpy, our first white-level patron. Thomas Hunt, who helped me troll the mayor of Yoast. And uh, Nathan Fibke. Uh, thank you all for supporting the podcast. If you'd like to join them, please check out patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Our major topics this week are a review of the, the series with ASU and its pairwise implications, a review of the rest of the WCHA this weekend. We're going to kind of talk about how wrong we were about the non-conference schedule over the last month. Yeah, that was depressing. <laughs> and And probably touch on some of the top 10 moments of the decade. I'm sure Drew will love going over number two. I'm sure. <laughs> then we have one question so far, and then we're going to preview the BGSU Minnesota Michigan Tech Series, and, uh, and we'll talk to Drew about a couple other things. Sound good, guys? Sounds good to me. Sounds good. All right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back. We'll start with uh, the ASU Series, or if there's anything... Drew wants to talk about right away. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, and we're back. What's new with Bowling Green, Drew? Uh, Well, it's been a rough few uh, series now. Uh, BG has lost uh, four in a row now. Yeah, I kind of wish you guys had won at least one in there so we don't feel like we're the rebound at some point here. <laughs> no one likes to be the rebound, do they? I think I would have rather seen you guys split so we so we didn't have to be the uh like face you guys pissed off. But you should have been pissed off facing Northern, so I don't really know what to think of that. And and you've got to come to Houghton. Uh that Saturday Northern game was weird. Um between giving up the lead late and having Patoni get a delay of game penalty for refusing to send a line out after a BG goal. That's what the bench was for? Yes, that was the bench miners delay game because Patoni refused to put out a line. What, Northern just decided they didn't want to play anymore or what? Yeah, and then they still <laughs> end up playing the game, so it doesn't matter. Bunch of whiners. God, they suck. But it, was a, it was a weird series, kind of a microcosm of the last few weeks. And I mean, hopefully they turn around this week. They're better on the road for some reason than they are at home, so I guess we'll just have to see. Because BG is seven and two on the road, but only five five and one at home. It's interesting, you know. Sometimes guys like it better when they get out and get away from distractions, and other times, you know, it's good to play in front of the home crowd and have that energy. But you never really know what uh, is going to be better any given weekend, or if if any of that really matters overall, or if it's just how they are in a given week and how practice went and that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, Michigan Tech has had a much better run, at least the last two weeks, winning the GLI and then uh, splitting with Arizona State. And I think a lot of Friday was probably more a product of, not Friday, Saturday, the first game, was more a product of the short rest and the travel and and just coming out a little flat. And I don't know, it, it just wasn't, they didn't play their game till halfway through probably uh, did you watch the free stream at all dustin no i i got so sick of this free stream after about one period that 
I gave up and followed along differently. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely an annoying stream at times. There, I mean, it's it's a it's a well produced stream, but there's nothing you can do when you're in a shoebox. Well, they could have, they should have spent more time with the like. They should have had the two main cameras should be at either blue line, and they should use the camera that's further away. And point it at the other end. They get they they zoom too much, a lot. Yeah, for sure. That's my biggest problem. They've been D one for three years. Yeah. They shouldn't be playing in a shoebox. No, they shouldn't <laughs> be playing in a shoebox. I saw somebody somewhere claim that one of the local casinos wanted to build them a rink that's not too far from campus, and they refused because they want it to be on campus when it happens. And I don't know. It's just silly that they they haven't figured that out yet. For all the money they have, like I think Ryan Johnston pointed out that they have what, like six different kinds of jerseys and multiple different helmets, but they can't just step take a step back and figure out their stadium situation and actually, you know, invest in something that's gonna work. Whether it's an ice plant in their basketball facility or what, it's just not a good place to watch a game. I mean I don't even think it was that great of a place for the people that were there with how small it was. Well, and there were some pictures that were on Discord and such that, you know, showed the the obstructed views and people's seats and you're paying twenty five bucks for general mission or for a, an actual seat, you get there and you can't see half the rink because you're behind a pillar. What the hell? Yeah. It was it was weird. If I showed up to a youth hockey tryout and, and saw that arena, I'd start to look into open enrollment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're in Minnesota, it's a different perspective on life. <laughs> yeah, but still, like that nobody should be playing in that in D one. No, not at a D one level. Agreed. I mean for for as much as we've ripped on Anchorage's situation, I think Anchorage's seats more than they do, don't it doesn't it? I don't uh, think it's a whole lot different. Anchorage is seven fifty, I think. Other than the netting, I think it's a better setup. Just the like the I think it's a taller ceiling and I think the like it, at Oceanside, like like you said, that like you're in the seventh row and it's obstructed view. Like right. <laughs> the beams are so like the, the columns are so in the seats to like because the roof isn't structure isn't quite big enough for the, the building itself. That it that like uh, was it was it old dog that posted the picture of yeah, like his obstructed view of one about. of the blue lines or whatever yeah so it's a little weird but uh, I don't know you know we had enough showing like I could hear chants multiple times it was a good series they play a fun game I I just wish the action was a little like the there's too many times of, like the cameramen need to realize they need to stay zoomed out so that when they can't keep up with the action, we still get to see the puck in the corner of the screen instead of off screen. Like they don't, I don't understand how they haven't figured that out. Like Dustin said, they've been playing there how long and they still haven't figured out that, that over zoom is not a good thing. Like I want to be able to see most of the players on the ice all the time because you, the puck moves too fast for the camera. Like, it, it, that's just the way it is. Well, and I don't think there were any replays either, right? There were no replays all weekend. So if you missed something, you missed it. No, I saw replays of... Were there? Okay, maybe I'm just wrong Maybe on it was then. only Arizona State goals. But I remember seeing a replay of, like, the goal where they wondered whether or not it should count. The last, the last goal or second-to-last goal that Arizona State scored Saturday where, it, like, Jerusalem had bumped the pipe... Oh yeah, 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 and they called it a goal, and I don't know. I'd still like, I'd still like to see that the the one goal that they didn't even review that Tech supposedly scored, and like the puck was in the net, yet they never even reviewed it. Like I don't know what happened there. I yeah, that was the ask. Sunday game, right? No, that would have that would have been that would have been the third goal on Saturday night, and then they scored another goal that would have tied it. You know, in the abstract, it wasn't. It would have been the third goal, and then they scored one more after that. So that would have been a potential tying, help them tie it if you accept the fact that the rest would have gone the way it did. Sure, sure. So I don't know what happened there, and I forgot to ask that on the Joe show to, or this yeah, on Tuesday if that's, you know, what happened there. But, you know, we're sitting okay in a pairwise. We're, what, 15th now, I think, right? So we're right there. The one thing I did run was if we won out, I think we only get up to 12th. But 
obviously other teams can fall, but who knows how that'll actually go in the end. Um, but you know, yeah, that's one, one of my only... worries with where we sit in the pairwise right now is we are at the uncomfortable bubble of the pairwise, and we don't have any out of conference games to give us that big bump of comparisons. No, I think the biggest thing we can do is, you know, not lose to any of the bottom dwellers. And I think, uh, uh, Northern Michigan sweeping Cornell would help us a ton. I think if they swept and we won out, we would get up to like 10th or something with just that one more thing. But like the, right now, Tech, Bowling Green, and Minnesota State are the only teams in the conference with a winning non-conference record. Tech is 5-3-1, and one, BG's 5-3, and three, and Minnesota State's 6-1-1. and one. Northern has a chance. They're 2-2-2 two, two, and two so far. Um, but I don't really think they're going to sweep. Cornell's pretty good. Yeah, or get a win and a tie, so they'll probably finish 500. You guys got hammered by the Miami loss in terms of pairwise, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, drop, that dropped you guys immensely. Yeah, I think right now BG's sitting at like 20th or 21st. And they were up to seventh at some point, maybe a month or so ago. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were talking earlier in the year on the podcast about the fact that we had four teams in position to, you know, all go, right? So, and you guys were one of them in the conversation, along with, I think it was Bemidji State and, and Minnesota State, right? At that point? Yeah, I think so. And I think just at this point, even if BG wins 80% of their games they have left, they might still be on the outside looking in. Yeah, that's why those non-conference games, I mean, as much as people seem to you know, laugh about the fact that you're, we're talking pairwise here in, in January and there's still a few few months left of the season, those non-conference games make such a huge difference in how the pairwise functions that it is an important conversation to have even though the season's not over yet. Especially when you look at the fact that four of the bottom ten of the pairwise are in the league. Yeah, ouch. And that's nothing new, and two of them are teams that we're not planning to bring with us, right? Hey, Huntsville managed to, like, get ahead of uh, North Dakota for almost a period. Right, on their seven shots in the first two periods or whatever it was. <laughs> right. So Bowling Green would be 20th right now if they had beaten Miami instead of instead their 25th. Their 25th, okay. Well, and then Northern is all the way up to 19th now, so you've got... You know, three teams in the top 20 for us. Like you said, if they do decent against Cornell, how much do they jump? Because that's... Even a split with Cornell has got to bring them up, right? Uh, I don't know. What is Cornell right now? Two. Well, they are, yeah. Yeah, they're second. I mean, they're above Minnesota State right now. So a split with Cornell puts Northern Michigan 16th all by itself. Right. Which is pretty good. And keeps Michigan Tech 15th. Well, if you look, um, when you change that for Northern Michigan, Tech's quality win bonus went up significantly because those two Northern wins became a lot better. They did. So by Northern just splitting with Cornell, we gain 15 points in the RPI. That's pretty significant for a, another team doing something to me. So go yep. Northern. <laughs> yeah. Gross. The next two weeks, because them losing to Anchorage isn't going to help us at all, other than in conference standing, I guess. But the best thing that could happen is if Anchorage just, you know, they get found out to be breaking a whole bunch of rules and all of their games vacated. <laughs> <laughs> if something gets vacated, though, does it get vacated from the pairwise? I would think so. It doesn't count. None of their wins would count anymore. Well, first off, it probably won't get found out in time to actually get well, vacated true. before they announce the tournament field. But yeah, it's one of those things where the, the pairwise conversation is almost to the point now where it's it, it's in general over, and it's that awkward bubble wait stage till conference playoffs hit again, right? Right. I mean, so if Northern wins their next four games with nothing else happening, they're eighth in the pairwise. Yeah, I don't know whether I like that or not. I mean, I understand it helps us, but if it helps Northern, does it really help us in the end? You know what you're supposed to say while we're talking about that? I've right? already said Northern sucks <laughs> at least once while we've been recording. <laughs> 
I didn't get it in the other week, so I had to, you know, get work to back, get it back in this week. Yeah, you missed it two weeks ago. Last week I left it in for the patrons. Fair enough. Because it was after <laughs> the, because you said it like at the very end after I had read the outro. So that's when it got put in there. So we did our little rehash of the non-commerce. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I think Drew needs to wallow along with us since we all thought it would be more like seven or eight wins and it ended up being three, and all of them were by Michigan Tech. Yeah, the fact that we're the only one that won out of conference over that entire period. The only I'm ones really, that I'm, didn't I'm feeling let down by the every league. game. <laughs> like, nobody else even got a tie. Right. <laughs> it was bad. I can't believe Minnesota State can't win an out-of-conference game. Was that a, like a humble brag there, or was it just a, oh, God, I can't believe? It's a little bit of both. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, no, I, I, I can only speak to the one game I saw was BG in Miami, and those first games after Christmas are always just a crapshoot. You don't know if you're going to have Try throwing your your uh, your big uh, tournament of the year in there every single year and see what happens. <laughs> well, see at that point you should be used to it then. But it's yeah, I'm just used. To, I'm used to watching losses. Is what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah, because like that first Mankato game, then they lose like seven to two or something. Yeah, they yeah, got bad. spanked by Saint Cloud. Like spanked hard by Saint Cloud. But yeah, like. Uh... Like, John Scott came in to, to give a pep talk to the team after they won f- the first game of the GLI. I laughed so hard. I, I I busted a gut. And he's like, I've I've played eight games in this tournament, and I didn't win one of them. <laughs> yeah, and I've gone to that tournament twice and never seen him win. Dustin, you've gone twice and never seen him win. Correct. And from, like, uh, what, 19... 19- 85 until 2011 they won like four games or something yeah they played for the championship twice and lost them both and then they i think they won the third place game a couple times yeah and that's it otherwise they lost both games it's it's been a pathetic run it's nice to see what seven of the last eight years and five in a row they've made the title now it's just nice seeing someone besides Michigan or State win the games. The last few years have been the invitee winning the games too. So, you know, those are always interesting to see. Yeah, I remember that really well a couple years ago. I'm going to guess right. that did yeah, not make you... your all-decade list, though. No, that did not. Okay. No. <laughs> but it was at least against us. We were in the we were in the championship game against you guys. Right. So to start off the GLI weekend with a win in itself is a win as a long-standing tech fan. <laughs> but what I actually remember most about that those two games was it was almost like Tech was upset that it wasn't Michigan in the championship because it was that first year after Mel <laughs> left. Sure, sure, I could see that. Oh, I'm sure. Well, that well that was the other interesting thing about this year's GLI is that's the first time ever that Michigan Tech has beaten Michigan State and Michigan in the tournament. Yeah, it's always been one of the invite teams that's been the other team when Tech's won. I can't believe that's that was a true stat when they said that on the on the broadcast. I was just baffled by the fact that that's never happened. Well, I think a lot of it is because most of the tournaments we won were in the 60s and 70s before it was set up the way it is now. And we were bad. And, and we were bad from 1980. <laughs> well, we didn't win, like... We might have had a chance to do it in like 82, 83, and 84, but we lost those three title games. So, but it's a long-standing tournament. I guess the other big news that we're still trying to really understand is what's actually going to happen with that tournament and whether or not it continues. Uh, according to uh, Michigan Tech's own website from back in November 2017, they signed a four-year extension which extends the GLI through next year, and that's where we're at. But let's also remember that the that extension was uh, basically to include the what the 2017 GLI, which actually happened in January 2018. We basically have one year or two years left, and then who knows what happens, but. I mean, look at that one. We went right down to the wire on signing an extension, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. 
Well, according to the the University of Michigan's Blue Line Club equivalent, the Deckers Club, I guess, is their Blue Line Club, right? Okay. Uh, their Twitter a few days ago said, one year left in the GLI contract. No one's happy about the current arrangements, unsure of where the tournament may go. Okay. So it's not just news from you know us reading between the lines. Uh, what Suzanne said during the you know during the actual short little interview there, but it's coming from Michigan as well, from their state of the team call. Well, I'm sure nobody likes the fact that its third place game started at 11:30 on a Tuesday. No, that's stupid. E- even even though and and what what gets me is fine if you want to have it at those times why is fox sports not broadcasting all the games then right because there's nothing like you can't just not show some fishing or hunting show at two o'clock on a tuesday but the problem is is the fact that there's no tv coverage is that going to drive more fans in the stands anyways with with i mean that's that's what olympia and, and and they're looking for from the detroit organization right they want people there to be spending money TV coverage is irrelevant at that point. Yeah. And there was a lot more attendance to the semifinals that were not on TV at all compared to the final and third place day. Yep. But I think some of that's also driven by the fact that, like, people are cheap and they probably didn't want to pay for both that and the New Year's Eve Red Wings game. If they're like, they probably did the semifinal and the, the Red Wings game. And I know most of my friends that go hate the fact that, like, as soon as the game's over and the trophy's been presented, they kick you out the door so they can clean up for the Red Wings. If you want to improve the attendance, just kick out Michigan State and make North Dakota an impermanent invitee. There'd be more, more North Dakota fans there than Michigan State. Yeah, does, does North Dakota have a permanent uh, holiday invite? None. No, nope. they don't have anything they do regularly. And nope. that's not even, I'm not even saying that jokingly because nope. North Dakota fans will travel better no, and from I would Grand love that. Forks. I've <laughs> never I've never seen a North Dakota fan in an away game that they're not involved in, so. I, honestly, like, you don't need to kick out Michigan State, just permanently invite North Dakota, and I'm happy with that. Well, I'm, I think I'd rather kick out Michigan State. I just know, let but... them know what team in green is playing. Half of them will show up anyways. <laughs> Smoke, green, snort, play. Just tell them that there's beer and hockey and they'll show up. <laughs> Smoke, green, snort, white. You'll have to remind me, though, which uh, Great Lake is North Dakota next to? <laughs> Who cares? Uh, the <laughs> one that attends hockey games. <laughs> Hudson Bay. <laughs> Winnipeg. <laughs> it's the Great Lakes Invitational. Yeah, we, we can invite, invite whoever we want. <laughs> it just needs. It just should be played near the Great Lakes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to go back next year, maybe. Yeah, if it's gonna be the last one in Detroit, I should probably actually go to one, right? Right. I've never been to a GLI, so maybe next year is the time to finally go. Our top 10 moments of the decade spurred on lots of discussion over the last couple days. I've been I've enjoyed that thoroughly. I'm sure Drew would love us to discuss thoroughly the number two moment. I think I made it number two, didn't I? The, the Broadmoor Trophy. It was up there. I was a little surprised when I ran the polls what people had to say about like what they thought different things were. Yeah, it was nice to see everybody got some votes, and and, um, I think a lot of people are, well, I'm not surprised. A lot of people were not thrilled that I put made the hiring of Mel Pearson a bullet item on the list, but I don't know how you can look at where we were before and where we are now and not make him part of the list. And actually, our Discord chat had, what, three or four people say I had that too low, which was actually nice to see, because it might have been a little low, but... But it's not a moment as much as some of the other ones are. I'll, I can make I can make a pretty solid argument against it, and and that would be that I you think don't like winning hockey games. Just as just as important as making the hire of Mel is the increased investment in the program, the higher budget that obviously took place at the same time, and I think Suzanne deserves a ton of credit for that, and also. Um, going all the way up to you know, the you know the president Glenn Mraz Glenn Mraz and um, yes hiring Mel was a huge part of it but Mel wouldn't have succeeded in that role if the additional budget and the uh, the support from above him wasn't there. Well, we can't deny the fact of 
how much the reshuffling impacted all of that as well. We don't know how much he could have succeeded. It, it, it's a real, it's a real good perfect storm all coming together at once. The reshuffling, the hiring of Mel, the changing of, of of style of play from our perspective, and and playing against a different set of opponents that haven't completely dominated us for thirty years, right? Right. You know, so it's it, it all came together at once there. But I, I I don't know. There are times when when I look at the Discord chat and you see that visceral reaction to Mel in general now, and I feel like people just take it completely out of perspective. They don't understand how bad things actually were for such a long time and how much it changed things when he came in. And Dustin's point is 100% correct. There was there was a focus on the hire to, to actually improve the program from a financial standpoint, from a complete university standpoint, but Mel's the focal point of that. Mel is the one that had the vision to actually turn things around. And if, if that didn't happen, I don't know where we're at today, you know, from a tech perspective. I don't think we're talking about a, a nice of a list of 10 moments that we went through without Mel there to make that happen. If you remember back to when, when you know, that hiring process was going on, if I'm not mistaken, there were a lot of names that we did not expect to see brought up that that we that we were in on. I think the big one was wasn't Dean Blaze even mentioned and approached he was. and 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 he came close to leaving Nebraska Omaha to come here. At least that's what I've been told by somebody I trust, but that's right. only from one source. But I do think somewhere reading through, like when I posted stuff, somewhere it was brought up that basically it was. Dean Blaze, Eric Rudd, or Mel—that was the original list. And yeah, where where's Rudd ended up now at this point? I'm trying to think where is where's he at. The last time I remember looking, he was the head coach of I think St. Cloud's women's team, but I don't really know where he is now. Uh, so he's at uh, Miami now, then in Burgess staff. Is he now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it's such a pivotal moment, but it is also like you said. Like I think the moment of hiring him is just the 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 figurehead of all those other things that happened around the same time where we finally got serious about investing, giving him a budget to keep assistance and and doing more at the stadium like the uh the scoreboard and all that kind of stuff. You know, and and Jamie Russell laid a lot of that groundwork with the suites and and everything else and and Mel took it to the next level and and it's hard not to give him a lot of credit for what he did do. And I do understand people being upset because of the way he left the program from a recruiting standpoint and from the way he left the program and like, yeah, but people, people act like it's a giant backstabbing surprise. And that's the part to me that I just don't get. I mean, the guy literally moved to the place he's lived for two decades and coached hockey for two decades. Yeah. And to where his family is. I think some of it's the Irish goodbye of like not saying anything and not and not taking a moment during his introductory press conference to thank the school that gave him a place to play, gave him a place to be an assistant, gave him a place to be a head coach first. Yeah, I mean I could see that, but I don't I don't hold anything against him. I mean I think what he's done is fantastic and I, I hold no ill will there. Do no. a- am I sad sometimes to see the struggle Michigan's going through right now? Nope. <laughs> no. I, I, I'm not. I'm not at all. I don't think there's any problem whatsoever with booing and jeering him at the GLI. That's all part of being fans and all that stuff. It's just the vitriol yeah. that maybe the right. guy sitting next to me had for him when we watched Michigan lose at the Frozen Four. It was a lot of fun watching him lose. <laughs> Somebody maybe had a few too many beers and said a couple things that maybe sober he wouldn't have said, but uh, other maybe. than that, <laughs> maybe. Um, well, and no. the parallels that BG's gone through, and, and since we got Drew on the phone here, we can talk about that a little bit too. I mean, you sure. you guys have had the exact, pretty much same scenario at this point, right? Uh, yeah. You had Bergeron, Bergeron come in, basically turning the program around, and now you guys are dealing with him moving back to his not exactly 100% the scenario we've had at Tech, but he moved on back to his alma mater. Yeah, and, and I think if you talk to most people that their opinion of Burge is really good. They respect what he did. It was obvious that it was a really difficult decision for him to leave. 
He even admitted when he came back that sometimes he wonders if he did the right thing, but he also said that this is his home in Oxford and Miami, and he knew he'd regret it if he didn't take the job and try it. So 363 days out of the year, I'll root for Burge, but those two games against Miami, same thing. You know, it's you respect what he did, but at the same time, he made a decision to leave, and you just have to respect it both ways out. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that that perspective that you guys seem to have uh, with Bergeron is, is, I think, the piece that's missing from a tech fan base perspective with Mel. I mean, they're it's downright hostile at times uh, with the perspective that a lot of people have for him and how he left. And I don't know. I just don't I don't see it. I just noticed that from tech fans. I I'll be the first to admit I'm not around it. I I'm not a fan of the program. So I can't say that I know exactly what they're going through, but it's, it's just confusing. Yeah. When you look at all the things that he did for the program, you talk about Pearson with tech, but yeah, I get every now and then, ha ha, Michigan's losing, but it's almost seems like people are ready just to erase him from the history books. And I just, I don't get it. It would have been helpful if we didn't leave recruiting in a complete disaster. We as tech fans, I think, tend to have the ability to attach to something and then just not let go. Oh, yeah. I think is one of the big problems. We do that with being left behind in the WCHA and whining about how it happened. (laughs) We're still talking about that conversation, you know, years later. Yeah, and now we're backtracking because we have to because we're leaving too. (laughs) Right, and now we're doing the same thing. When when we were the first group to leave the WCHA back in the 80s, we already have left the conference once. But our fan base at times, I think... A lot of it, I think, is we've. It's a lot of young, young fans that you know picked up on tech when they were in school in the last you know decade or so. Well, look at how much how upset they get when we go like five hundred for a month, and it's like right when we go five hundred for a month. I'm like, guys, we won games. Get over it. <laughs> we used to win four games a year. Now you won four games in a month. Accept it. Like, yeah, there's a guy uh, on Twitter right now. He laid into me because I just pointed out that BG was 16th or whatever they were in the USCHO poll. It's like, well, why aren't you talking about how they've gone all the way into the 20s and the paralyzed? I want to say, dude, my first year covering this team, they won five games. Right. Yeah, you guys, you're, the parallels we have with you guys from a program perspective is, it, it's it's almost uncanny, right? We yeah. we both have the same bounce back from our, the league splitting up and, and the coach change that the, you know our our histories, and it makes for a really good rivalry too, right? I mean, I think you guys are are becoming one of our bigger rivals from a a play perspective in the league, and it's great to see. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of healthy respect, and there's also a little bit of honestly a little bit of hatred between the two teams because they've played. And, such and there's big been games. wins both ways exactly. too, right? I mean, you guys have won games that that uh, have screwed us over, and we've won games that have screwed you over. So that. That makes it fun. That makes it enjoyable. And that's what, you know, college hockey is all about is that long history that you build with teams in a conference as you go forward. So, you know, and, and there's there's staff from, I mean, I can't what this guy is that uh, is up at Tech now that was your guys' goalie back in the day. Oh, yeah. You know, he, you know there's, there's some staff bleed over as well, too. So, you know, the programs are, the programs are closely intertwined and, and both hungry programs that are that are doing well in the new league, and it's it's a fun rivalry to watch. Yeah, and I think that's the only thing you can ask is when you throw two teams together that probably don't have that long history. Is when the two teams play, you know, it's going to be a good game one way or the other. And it's and it's a good it's a good enjoyable game to watch. I like watching Tech BG games as opposed to say Tech Ferris games at times where it just feels like it's you know, Ferris hockey, slow and clutchy, grabby type hockey that you kind of get frustrated with. When when Tech and, and Bowling Green play with each other, it tends to be a, a fast-paced, good hockey game. You know, it's it's enjoyable to watch. And that's really one of my frustrations. I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, but just the artificial parody a lot of times is created in these games when you have the top half of the league playing a team that's not. You can't have those type of games. Because the better team isn't allowed to have their speed, use their skill, because all the clutching, grabbing through the neutral zone. Ironically, that was um, us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 
Well, that used to be BG too. Those first few years, like I understand one hundred percent. But at some point, tech and BG took a step. Yep, exactly. They did, and and one of my f- most fun things now is my tweet each time we win about like remembering some other team that only won that many games. <laughs> and yeah, I'm enjoying that as well. <laughs> it is actually really fun to go back and be like, yeah, remembering the the ninety three ninety four team or whatever it was when we upset CC in the tournament. To well, I think the a, a lot of that too is. I mean, I know a lot of the folks that we interact with on Discord aren't. Their their current students or recent students, right? There's there's a few people there that have been there for a long time that that have been around the program for a while, but you know a lot of the a lot of the fan base we tend to interact with is is newer fans, like you said, that don't. I don't want to sound like I'm up on some sort of I've been watching tech hockey for a long time high horse or anything, but but you have, I am yes, <laughs> but a five hundred a five hundred month, like you said. That to me is positive. I'm okay with that. I'd rather we do better. Depending on who we play. Sure. As long as we didn't play like the bottom three teams in the WCHA all month, then I'm fine with that. But But it's it's also a really good thing that the expectations have been raised. For sure. That's true. But I mean, like, they're two wins away from having as many wins as Jamie Russell's last three seasons combined. Yeah, that's that stat alone is staggering. Can, yeah. <laughs> so you guys, Dustin, you voted when I put up the list. Rob, what did you think of how the final top ten ended up? I'm quickly here looking at the exact order. <laughs> I did vote, by the way. You did vote. I, I took did. your vote, I took Matt's vote, and I kind of clumped them together with everything else. And... Um, and that's how we ended up with what we did. I think did. one of my favorite parts of looking at the top 10 is realizing how many of those things I actually was there for and how awesome that is from a traveling fan perspective. You know, but I I think I would from a top 10 perspective, the only thing I would flip is I would put I would put the sour in Marquette as one, I think. That that game with the whole circumstances over how Northern tried to screw over fans, yet we still got a chunk of solid fans in there. I was on the phone in the early morning hours with the Misfits, like offering up credit card numbers if they were there in person so they could buy tickets. We didn't end up having to go that far, but you know. It- I think in the. I think that whole playoff run is probably the biggest thing, but. But I can't. I can't, for the life of me, look at the OT winner against Bowling Green, which I'm sure Drew wants to relive. That has got to have produced one of the best sports gifts of the decade, though, to be honest. Yeah, when the goal... Like, the the sheer emotion of that gif of the the puck going in, your goalie just laying there on the ground like, oh, man, this is all my fault. Someone coming over and consoling him, and then the celebratory herd just going over top of him is fantastic yeah and and on was that the first year they did the uh championship on campus site yep was there any better way to start that honestly no not at all well us beating northern and northern was a good one too but no it was awesome now you did i think back when that when the northern ticket thing happened we talked about that a little bit that you that bowling green had some issues with fans getting tickets essentially there was no communication at all at how DG fans could get tickets at Northern. No, at at Tech. Oh, okay, really. But I th- I think some of it has to do with that first year, and they still hadn't quite figured out how it would work. Yeah, and it's not like we didn't stop online sales like Northern did, and totally screw people. If I remember right, there was a decent amount of BG fans up there in the corner where the way fans usually are. I think those were the allotment. Sure. So that was the uh, family, alumni, that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's that's who's usually over there. Uh, the Northern games this year, from an away fan perspective, um, Northern traveled up to us this year better than they have in years. They had a really big allotment at McGinnis, which is really good to see. That is good. They they happened to invade the entire section my parents are in, so my dad was my mom and dad were both texting complaining about being surrounded, but you know that's where they put them. But that that's good to see. It's good to see the away fans getting there and. And making the atmosphere what it is. I mean, it's one of my favorite things as a traveling hockey fan 
is to go to an away game and just be loud and obnoxious and get the home fans to actually counter you right i mean that that's fun to me as a hockey fan oh there's i don't think there's anything more fun than like the misfits doing their chant and then letting the the other team the home team like try and rebut and then as soon as it dies out start yours up again and just piss them off and just keep doing that for like a whole period the the most challenging thing as an away fan is when a group of like middle school girls decide they want to be the counter you can't beat that it's impossible no, and you can't, uh, and you don't really want to like. No, you can't. Argue, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I know where you're going. There's nothing you yep. can do. <laughs> no. Nope. See, it's also kind of unique because in the league, the UP schools are the only ones really that you can travel to. Well, that depends how committed you are. And you can pair two teams that can travel. Yeah, I mean, like, who can BG fans travel to? Ferris. Why not? Why can't they? Why can't they travel past that? Oh, and they they do. Sometimes, but they really don't. One of the Misfits organized trips this year is Huntsville. I found out today that that's not 100% right now. But Oh, is it? All right. They're either going to Bemidji or they're going to Huntsville organized not both but either way they're they i I think that's up to the that's up to the students to make that a priority that they can travel to more places than just their closest rival sure and i understand that yeah i mean you take friday off of school and you just hop in the bus or van or whatever and go and it's not like you can't get there in time for you could go to lake state but yeah tech Tech doesn't definitely has some advantages that like they're close to Northern and Lake and Bemidji and Mankato that they have four trips that are not a terrible ride. I mean, I I don't know Bemidji or Bemidji and Mankato really close when you look at it that way. Well, I I don't know if I, I want to call those close trips. Are they are they all closer to Tech than Lake State is to BG? Yeah, that may be true. I mean, I guess you got you got nice interstate driving from BG all the way up to Lake State. Well, it's nice once you get north of Flint. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You got to deal with Detroit. I, I'll give you that. But uh, the trip anywhere out of Houghton involves, first, can you get out of Houghton reliably with nice weather? Chances are no, right? Yeah. And then you're, you're dealing with crap roads to get anywhere. The fun part about, like, the tech taking the tech van someplace and trusting somebody to like pass with like nine other students in oh. the van with them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on two lane roads and white out it's not a hockey it's not a hockey story but traveling to duluth one year i remember going down the otanagan hill and in, in my parents old van with like six of us from the soccer club in it and I, my buddy sitting beside me going do you have any control of the car right now and i'm like nope <laughs> we're just sliding <laughs> When I remember driving up to Houghton one time with like the the GPL crew, and I think Brent rode up with me, and it's white out and I can't see anything, and I know I'm coming up on like a truck or a trailer or something, and I pass it, and Brent's like, "I'm not worried at all. You know what you're doing." <laughs> it's like, "Well, I'm glad I'm glad you have confidence in me because I don't think my girlfriend does." I'm either dead or I'm okay. Why why, why bother being concerned? <laughs> So going back to the list, like I think the biggest reason I put the McNaughton Cup number one is I can't, and and this is another reason Mel makes the list is because when we won that cup and got to take it on the ice and celebrate after sweeping Fairbanks in the playoffs, he brought the the fans on the ice and said, "Come yep, celebrate he- with us." And that connection between the team and the community, like he understood that. Yep, and for sure. And that I wish I could have found video of that moment because I won't forget him like basically saying, "Come on down, everybody! This is our celebration, not just the he, team." He did it twice. That wasn't the only time he did it. Okay, it I happened twice. That. I'm almost positive after the BG game, it also happened as well for the Broadmoor. Yeah, because I, I I'm almost positive I wasn't home for the for the uh, the the McNaughton one. Okay, but I 100 percent remember going down on the ice after a game. I'm pretty sure it was the the Broadmoor one and actually giving Mel a hug on the ice. Nice. And I remember, I think, like, Cavender got to, like, lift both the trophies and has pictures, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah. so like that's happened. I remember when we went to the icebreaker and we celebrated with the team after, I'm like, give me the trophy. You got to raise enough of them so I get to hold the icebreaker (laughs) for the photo. That was kind of cool, but yeah. The reason that I put in the McNaughton number one is simply because of the history and the fact that Tech 
it, it's it's our cup, and we finally won it back. And yeah. the history oh, with it coming That's... from the Copper Country, and and all of that, and the fact that we finally got it back, that is the main reason why I put it number one. Right, and it's a big deal. Like we have not won that since '76. Well, my my favorite part of that is the fact that we can have this conversation of three different events that are that good that we can actually, you know, we're not debating whether the five-win season was better than the four-win season right. for our top ten list, right? So Mark Bailey, one of our patrons, uh, uh, with Carson Bantle lighting up the USHL on a truly awful team in Madison, what do you think his the chances are that MTU will change his enrollment to next season? I just don't want him to stagnate at the USHL level and also not get picked off by another university. Great work on the pod, and I'm happy to support you boys on Patreon. Dustin, you, you've thought about this a lot. What do you want to say? Yeah, um, I think you got to bring him in as soon as possible. Every indication is he's ready, and you don't let players that are that look to be as good as he is stay in the USHL when they're ready to play at the next level. And... All indications are that he's ready. So let's. Uh, but I, I think they need to bring him in next year. Uh, the, not only do you run the risk of some other school potentially poaching him, you've got to worry about major juniors trying to get him. Uh, it, I I just don't think you want to play f- with fire on that one. And uh, I would expect that we'll see him in Houghton next year. I I think you're right because I think next year's class. I don't really know what's going to happen. Right now, I've got it penciled in for Nick Nardella, who's more of a C.J. Ike with probably more offensive. He's got a better chance at finishing the chances. He's probably not quite as fast, but I think he's more of a C.J. Ike role player type. Blaze Richards, who I haven't really paid attention to in a while, and Alex Nordstrom, those are who I have penciled in for next year. And all three of those guys are more role players than skill guys now granted this the freshman and sophomore right now there's plenty of skill there but like I think you said nordstrom, i don't i think nordstrom has a chance to be a pretty solid player i don't think he uh, he might end up being a role player but i think he's no, got he, a chance to he, be a pretty good player a, he could be like reed Sturros when it's all said and done but he could also just be a depth guy in the same token it, it all depends i you know but he's also a family guy that's like probably going to be happy with however it falls versus Carson Bantle, who could be drafted this year, probably will be drafted somewhere, and you don't there want to lose no him. There are no Nordstroms attached to the tech program. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's not related to the facility manager at all. Yeah, Drew, for your perspective, the, the guy that's ran the SDC for the last, I don't know, ever is a Nordstrom. <laughs> Good to have connections. That's one of those things that, that we've done, I think, just to, to kind of break a little bit into the recruiting conversation a bit, is that Tech has done a fantastic job of getting guys who have some form of connection to the university or to the UP in general that aren't necessarily from the UP at this point to come back home, if you will. Yeah, like Heenanen, Hallinan. Oh, in any in and racing in the Pietalas, cooking in, yeah, cooking yeah, in. Just throw in and in on the end of it, and you're good. There's some sort of a fin connection to the UP at that point, right? The only one I can think of that that hasn't panned out that way is Becker, who went with Mel to Michigan, right? Becker was an uh, his dad's an alum. Well, and we lost. Um, who's the kid that was from? That they were in on. He should be on my list here. A kid that went to St. Cloud? No, he, that was a sibling of a guy we wanted, right? That was, but he, the, so we had gotten Joe, or one of the Schotes from Minnetonka and his brother picked St. Cloud, but that's not who I'm talking about because the Schote never even played a game. I think he got hurt and then kind of. Yeah, he, he, it was medical reasons he didn't play. Uh, petered out, but um, I can't think of the kid from. I think he went to Providence. Creepy logo school? No, 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 no. That is the best mascot ever. That thing's terrifying. Pure terrifying. 
No, that thing, that thing in person. Have you seen it in person? Yeah, I saw it. The, I saw it at the Frozen Four when they won the national championship. Oh Kim, my goodness! The kid's name is Cam Kim. McDonald. He's from Eagle River, Alaska, and his dad played for Tech. Oh, is his dad the one that has the brewery up there? Probably. I don't know because <laughs> that brewery is fantastic. But he's one. He's one of the very few family connection guys that didn't pick tech and joe talked about that this week i don't know if you got that far in the show i didn't get that far in the show no i got to the bliss interview and that's where i ran out of time before getting on the but they they've d- they have done a great job on the families or the connections whether it's levi stauber or i really don't know what bantle's connection is but you know uh, and the other thing they've got going for them and joe talked about that a lot this week was you know when when kids come up to be recruited at tech and do their visit like the misfits in the crowd does a lot the fact that we've made the tournament three times in the last decade may, you know means a lot to them regardless of how like they don't really care how that you know that we got in twice because we won the tournament but like or the conference tournament otherwise we wouldn't you know because it's not like well the denver game we kind of got spanked but the other two times you know we deserved to be there and did well Denver was spanking everyone that year, I'd like to point out. So, Correct. You know, there's that. Um Yeah, I I'm 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 happy with what Joe's doing and I know that I think that he had asked a couple weeks ago like if we should be worried about recruits and the answer is no cuz we're out so far and then you've got guys like Bantle and the the Kukinens that you might um you might be moving up to and then that Kyle Van Compernol, that's probably not too far away either. Um, there's there's some pretty good talent in, coming in when you when you start to look at all those guys. Ben Storm's the guy I was talking about. He's from Calumet. They went to St. Cloud. Oh, Storm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Carson Bannell's probably going to come in next year. We'll see what happens, but I I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And I think the fear would be more major juniors than anything since he didn't commit that long ago did he no he committed like last april so it's not like you know he committed back in april and is probably you know and like he's getting accelerated because he's done so well but like i don't think you have a fear necessarily of him getting poached by another school and i think joe's got a handle on that stuff we'll see how it goes but i don't think that's a problem the other item is just talking about uh, the BGSU Michigan Tech series. Tech's coming in pretty happy. And they finally home for the first time in a month, I guess. And and BGSU's pretty pissed off with the way things have gone lately. It, it should be a good series. Anything you want to say, Drew? We kind of talked a little bit earlier. It's, just, it's a very weird how BG displays so much better on the road. And I know they've had success up there before. It, it does kind of feel like it's one of those weekends where BG is just going to exercise all these demons they've been holding up. But at the same time, Tech has been playing good hockey as well. So it's, it's uh, I think it's like a 50-50. And I wouldn't be surprised with the split. I wouldn't either, but that's probably not what I'm going to predict. Rob? No, I think a split's probably the right call for the weekend, too. Um, I think they're two real good games, close games. I don't think we're going to see either team run away with a game. You know, I think we're going to see two good tight games, but tight, tight games that involve you know up and down the ice hockey rather than you know clutchy grabby penalty style games. That's what I'm hoping for this weekend. Dustin, well, I, I think these two teams just play each other too closely to predict anything other than a split. I don't have the the history in front of me, but it always seems like they're close games between these two schools, and it I think more likely than not, each one's going to get one game. Okay, I'll be the only one to go out on the limb and pick the tech sweep just because of the way they've been playing. <laughs> I think they can overcome the... It, it kind of feels like maybe Bowling Green's hitting a b- bit of a wall, and maybe they won't really be able to you know get angry and rebound, so I'm going to go with the tech sweep. You guys will have to wait until Friday to see what Jonathan has to say, and he's been pretty good at it so far, but it doesn't look like he agrees with me unless he changes it before it gets published. Anything else anybody wants to say? Nope. Just thanks for having me on again. Thanks for coming on, Drew. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on again. Good. 
Uh, well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch, which I need to actually confirm that's going to happen since Exclusive Pro didn't send me any extras. And access to extra podcast content, including the unpublished episode zero and extended content, which today is probably going to be about 20 minutes. Follow us on Twitter <laughs> at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through our email, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com, or send a voice message directly at Inker.fm slash ChasingMacPod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. Please check out Jonathan's Zameda series previews every Friday and Mike Antleitner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. I finally did some extra content with the top 10 moments of the last decade, and next week I hope to publish the all-decade team. Matt Cavender will probably have some more stuff coming up as well. You can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com. Thanks again to our new patrons, Dave Corpy, Thomas Hunt, and Nathan Fibke. We really appreciate your commitment to the podcast. And as always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for being kind enough to record a new introduction for the podcast and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, first generation donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. As always, or also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. Yeah.